Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now, your host, Keith Williams. Welcome to the Skill Stadium podcast, episode 78. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Keith Williams. Every week, we bring you stories from professionals in the skilled trades, business owners, educators, uh, people who are giving real-world advice. You know, we don't run any ads on this podcast, so if you found value, my ask is that you share it, let people know about it, leave a review. And again, I really appreciate you tuning in. Thank you for lending me your ears. So today, we are going to talk about the power of social media and video and how you can use it to build an online presence, brand, and create opportunities for yourself. My guest today is from Baldwin, Wisconsin. He is a master electrician who has some of the best content on the internet. Let me tell you something. If you have not checked out his content, this is for an electrical, for the electrical profession, you are missing out. You've got to check out his content. He's a podcaster, he's a YouTuber, and a businessman. During his free time, he loves to uh, teach. And, um, you know, if you're watching his videos, you'll really understand why he loves to teach. You'll, you'll understand why he does what he does. And what he enjoys doing during his free time, again, is he likes creating art. He likes to box. He likes playing his drums and mountain biking. This is a man of many talents. Please welcome Dustin Stelzer, owner of Electrician U, to the Skill Stadium podcast. Dustin, how are you doing today? Man, I feel like after that introduction, like, holy cow, it's going to be all downhill for <laughs> an introduction. No, not at all. Not at all. I, have, I, I wanted to make sure I introduced you right. You know, I've followed you for a little while, so I've, I've always been impressed with the work that you've done and um, very excited to have you on. And I wanted to really keep the introductions, you know, brief and let you really talk about yourself. Uh, Dustin, something I wanted to ask right off the bat is I saw an Instagram post where you were at an event in Tennessee and you had some impressive, impressive, you have some impressive photography gear. And I shoot Sony. I used to shoot Canon. You know, man, where, where do you shoot? Like, what are you doing? You have a lot of gear that you travel with. That seems pretty excessive. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, when I started doing this whole YouTube thing, I was literally just using my phone. I was, I was just like, all right, guys, this is a wall. I'm doing a thing. And I would like kind of half put it up somewhere and fall over. And so as I started doing it and then people started watching and it kind of became a thing, um, really, I got sponsored the first ever, you know, like Home Depot was my first big sponsorship. And so I was like, okay, nice. well, I'm going to do this and it's going to, there's going to be some money involved and people are actually watching and we're getting to like tens of thousands of people. I need to upgrade my game a little bit. So I started to go get some like DSLR cameras. I didn't really know anything about any of them. It was just like, I need something that can capture video. I need a tripod. Then I figured out after a while, like people can't hear what I'm saying. And it sounds like I'm talking in a can. So I was like, maybe I should get a mic and figure out. And so like some of my earlier videos, it's like a lapel mic and a cord that's 30 feet long. And I'm like, <laughs> this cord while I'm wiring walls, you know, like really just figured it out as I've gone. And then as like new cameras will come out, I'll be like, oh crap. Yes. My camera doesn't do this thing. So like now I got to go get another camera that does this thing. And so I just have been learning along the way. And a lot of times I'll bring extra gear because I'll run out of batteries. And, you know, I have Sony pretty much exclusively. 
Um, I've got probably like seven different Sony cameras and a bunch of different lenses that all work with them and everything. So if I'm in a situation where like I need a gimbal on one camera and I need a small like blog kind of thing that I'm walking around talking to on a stick, I need a smaller camera. If I'm working out in the field and I'm trying to record what I'm doing, I need a GoPro that I can attach to my chest so people actually see from my perspective what I'm seeing. Um, I've got a drone that, you know, like sometimes if I'm out at some like really fancy house out at the lake or something, I'm like, this is a killer shot for like, you know, building that perspective of where I'm working. And so I'll throw that out there. But yeah, like in my studio right now, I have three of the same exact camera. So this brand new studio I just set up, um, I've got a Sony a6600 and I figured three of them out. The reason I got those cameras was just because like all the other Sony cameras, their photography cameras, they're still digital SLRs, but they're built for photography. They'll do video, but the video shuts off every 30 minutes. So I'll record yes. an hour and a half of stuff and I won't even realize that the shit shut off like a long time ago. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bro. You don't know the pain, the rage. <laughs> and it's happened so much. So, like, I just got three cameras that I know won't do that and I can plug them in rather than use batteries. So, like, that's why I have so much. It's just there's all these different situations that I might need cameras for a specific use. I'll tell you the Sony 7AC, which is a full frame camera that runs endlessly. If you get that, solve your problem. Do you know that there's this whole thing about like importing cameras and that's what it's all about? So there's tariffs that you have to pay to import video cameras to classify a camera as a video camera. This is why the FX3 from Sony is so damn expensive. It's really just thing as the, the Sony a7 III, which is yeah. a photo camera. They're the same yeah. thing. There's nothing different about them, but one of them's classified as a photo camera. So it's yeah. cheap because there's not all these tariffs to import from a different country. And yeah. that's why they stop at 30 minutes because they have to, to make sure that it's a photography camera. Wow. I did so not know that. Video camera cannot, doesn't have to have that same limitation. Yeah. Didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that either. I did not know that either. And, and I know the, uh, I know that those ones are higher end cameras. They are not cheap. No, They're not cheap. But. No, I wanted an FX3, but I'm like, it's $4,000 for yeah. the body. Not even a, yeah. just the body of the camera. Yeah, it's an expensive, I don't want to say hobby, but it's an expensive investment for your business. But it is a good investment. You're going to see much better quality work when you use those cameras. Like I said, I was, with, I was shooting with Canon and I moved up to Sony and oh my gosh, especially for video. Canon's great for photography, but for video, Sony's got it. Sony's, now, I'm also wondering, do you do your own video editing? Or do you have somebody do that for you? So right now I have two editors that live in Massachusetts. So I have a studio here and I have a studio in Massachusetts. And there's an animator that's up there, two different video editors. The first four years of me doing this, I did all of it myself. So I wow. filmed everything. I did all the blog articles. I did all of the website, built all, you know, did everything on my own. And then after a certain point that I started to be able to monetize on YouTube and I started gaining like a living off of YouTube. Yeah. I was like, all right, I'm going to use my YouTube living to start paying people part-time to help me with little odds and ends. And that's where everything has started to take off. So it kind of frees me up to just to not have to do that. So I can literally sit in front of this camera and we're getting everything set up in this new studio. I just moved into killer PC that we just set up. So now I can take all the footage right from all of my cameras, bring it nice. into a PC. It automatically uploads to a server that me and Massachusetts have access to so it's like i'm just going to be a content production machine and that's all i need to do oh that's awesome because the editing is what buries you as you know well, <laughs> it takes a ton of time it's not fun i don't like it well i guess it depends on who you are yeah well it's not even the editing you're right but it's the amount of time it takes to put 
like 50 gig files on oh, yeah. to send yeah. somebody or to upload to YouTube. Like, and I've always had a really crappy internet connection. So at my house, it would take like three to five hours sometimes just to upload a, like a 15 minute video. And I'm like, there's, we can't do that. <laughs> no, you know? no. Now I have fiber and it's like that same four hour upload will take four minutes. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know what we do? You invest in things that save you time. Yeah. It's always, you know, time is so valuable and anything you can invest in that can save you time or not allow you to do things you don't enjoy doing is yeah. always worth it. Yeah. And we've kind of realized as a team, so I've got a fairly large team of people now that we're building out this to actually be a, a business, uh, not just being an influencer anymore, but we figured out like the whole 80-20 rule, you know, like 20% of your effort is where you usually get 80% of your revenue. Oh, yeah. Well, if I can hone down my 20% to being like doing sponsorship stuff, going to events, doing the videos, if, if I can just focus all of my attention on what makes us money, I can use that money to give to everybody else that works for me to make us do what we do better. So yeah, any, any business, right? Yeah, no, that's, that makes perfect sense. You know, you built a strong platform and, you know, you built a strong brand on multiple platforms. And what I think where you bring your value, where I really see a value for you is your engagement with your audience and yeah. how you leverage video. So one of the things I do believe is I believe you guys are providing another path for people to acquire skills, to get new skills into the skill trades. Can you talk about the concept of your organization and, you know, what's going on with you guys? What does the future look like? What is the game plan? What I've always done is try to just give value to people. So I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, oh, yeah. I love Gary V. <laughs> yeah, man. It, and you may like him, you may hate him, but he's right. And when he talks he about how attention works, you need to listen to what he's saying because what he does is he owns the the facts and opinions and he's an entrepreneur. He tries every single thing and figures out what works and what doesn't. And he talks about it. And it's like, I just learned when I was doing art, I was always trying to get people to look at my art and I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what Instagram was all about. And I kind of fought a lot of it. And I'm a field electrician, you know, like I'm not a yeah. tech guy. So I really didn't get what it was all about. I thought, oh, I'll just put my stuff out there and some people might see it. And then nobody ever saw it. And I didn't understand. And then I started listening to Gary Vee and back in like uh, when he was I don't know what text wine on. library was it during the, his wine yeah. library days. I got okay. into that, but I also got into his speaking about like this is 2008. Yeah. Like, quit doing stuff that you hate. And all that whole like thing that he was about. And so his energy it was the first time I'd ever seen somebody that has my kind of energy. Where it's like, oh, yeah. all yeah. I do is work 24 seven, and I'm like all about everything that I'm about, and that's all I do. And so mm -hmm. I started following. You know, he would say, you just you really have to care. People just if you go into an environment and you start talking and conversing with people and giving opinions and being a part of a community and then you get known within the community people will start to know you and respect you and if you've got this thing for them to look at that's how you kind of do this like jab 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 right hook yep. eventually Good book. yeah and so Good i've book. been jabbing for five years bro yeah I know. I <laughs> seriously i don't monetize yeah. anything i don't charge for anything i'm not trying to get you to buy my ebook like I have literally just made videos for electricians that needed to be made for years and years and years. And then the other side of it is like, you can't, if you really want to get somewhere and build a brand and make it a bigger thing, you have to interact with what you're building. So if you build a video and you've got 3000 comments on it, you got to go in and, and answer those comments. So like mm -hmm. 
even when I had uh, 10 people on my channel, every single comment that somebody would write me, even if it was good, bad, didn't matter. I responded to every one of them. I gave a shit. If somebody asked me, like, <laughs> how do I figure this out for my state? I don't know what my licensing thing. I'm like, bet. What's your state? I'll go look it up for you. I'll help you out. You know? And so like literally just giving a damn about the people that yeah. give a damn about you is how you build a, an audience around you. And then after enough time and consistency, it gets to swell and gets bigger and bigger. And so now the problem is I don't have enough time every day. I, I can't answer tens of thousands of DMs across multiple sure. platforms and emails and all this stuff. So now I'm hiring people just to Smart. just to take in the stuff that I don't really have to answer myself, where it's like I can have another electrician or team of electricians kind of go in and answer a lot of the things and help these people out. And so the difficult thing for me has been now I'm trying to leave this here Yep. But pull my face off the stage and make it more about this so that this sure. has staying power. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to do that, but like building a platform that is about knowledge is now what my goal is for the future and trying to bring other people, other content creators, electrical experts, code makers, you know, anybody that wants to, to care about people with me and help people out. That's who I'm looking for. And so I've found a pretty astounding group of people right now to do that. No, I agree. I, I've seen you have a tribe. And uh, matter of fact, one of the guys that I had on my podcast, Timothy, Timothy Regan, I saw him commenting on one of your YouTube channels. I was like, I know him. You know, oh, so I was like, I had him as a guest on my podcast. Well, I was impressed with that you responded to people. And that, like I said, I've seen a lot of, I've seen folks sometimes who just don't do it. They don't respond back. And man, I just, I think it hurts their brand, no matter how big you are, especially if you're big, at least. What I would say is maybe make a blanket statement saying, hey, sorry, I can't get back to everybody. Like I, I saw an author who did a post on a book. Now, if you do a post on a book, you obviously want people to comment because you're promoting your book. Yeah. And he responded to specific people who were like influencers and people who he knew, but he didn't respond to other people. What he should have done was just maybe make a blanket statement. Hey, sorry, I couldn't get back to everybody. I thank everybody who bought the book as opposed to just cherry picking who he'd comment to or hire somebody because he's big enough that he could do that. And like I said, people notice that, you know, yeah. people take notice of that. And I think that makes a difference. So, you know, you started your career, you know, before social media was as big as it is today. And in fact, you didn't jump on board with social media right away. What is what happened that that made you make that change to decide, hey, I'm going to go all in on this social media? Trying it. Really? Yeah. Like, uh, it was always for me, you know, Facebook, MySpace was a thing. So like when I got into college, MySpace and Facebook were like fighting out. So it was the first time that I had ever been like, whoa, I can like meet people on this internet thing and that have similar interests in me. And I can kind of get into groups and talk about stuff with people. Um, and then, you know, again, with my art, I was trying to figure out like, how can I get things that I'm drawing out to people? And I didn't really understand trying to be a creator, you have to look at these platforms way differently than you look at them as a user. So somebody goes on Instagram because they're bored. If they're mm -hmm. a user, I go on Instagram to interact with people, to build yes. community and to give value to people. And so it's mm -hmm. just a very different thing. And the kind of cool thing is like in my industry, a lot of the older people, they, they don't really understand it. And I think they want to, the benefit of, of understanding all of the community, but they don't use it like they're trying to build community. They're not trying to connect with people. They're trying to get people to buy their products. Yeah. See through as all it's transparent. Yeah. <laughs> audience, nobody cares about their stuff. You know, they're not out there in the trenches really with these people. And that, that's really what it comes down to. 
Yeah. And I think you do better when you're not trying to sell. You know, I've done interviews and I tell people when I start hearing them selling, I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'm like, you're going to you're getting press already just by talking about what you're doing. Just continue to bring value and don't make it a sales pitch and you're going to get better results. And some people just don't get it. They're just tactical. I want right now. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. You know, and it's page out of Gary Vaynerchuk's playbook, which is, you know, provide value, give, you know, jab, jib, you know, and he's right. It's made him successful, you know, and um, like I said, people see through that. And so I don't know. I don't understand how some folks just don't get that. You know, you got to be able to, to gauge your audience. Yeah. You know, well, and that's the thing, too, is when you go in and thinking about it as a business and how can I sell these products? OK, I need to start making videos you're already thinking of it wrong. The people that do the best are the people that have a passion and a desire to share something that they're really passionate about with other people. And they can sit in front of a camera for hours endlessly every day and not want to kill themselves because they're so, they love doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They're good at doing what they're doing. And they're just out there trying to get, even if it's just entertainment, you know, like say I wasn't teaching on my stuff and I was just, you know, making silly videos and stuff. Like if that's what it's about, that's what it's about. And then once you start to try to monetize that, later down the line, that's a whole different thing because everybody's already in love with what you're making. So they're going to go buy the lunch boxes and they're like, oh, yeah. you know, because they're it's, like, it's about a culture that you've created and you've kind of created a cult around you. And that's why everybody, you know, all the NFTs and this crypto and everything that's going on is because these companies are building these outstanding things and everybody's like, I want in on this. Mm-hmm. We've spent years building value before that. And you know, what's interesting too is small companies, people are just starting, they want to be like big companies. The big companies want to be like small companies, more intimate and more, you know, in touch with the, uh, the customer. And I do some things that don't scale because I just enjoy doing it. Like uh, I enjoy going into a school and doing a virtual career day because I think it's cool to talk to high schoolers. It just there's something that's exciting about talking to a young person who's trying to figure this thing out because we've all been there. I think all of us can relate to it. And it's one of the prime reasons why I do the podcast, because when I, when I go into these schools and I do a virtual career day, I can point to, hey, this is a person I interviewed. You need to be listening to this individual, not your guidance counselor, not your teacher. No offense. I'm sure they do a great job. But Dustin knows the electrical career better than they do. Yeah. No offense against your teacher, but he just does. And you're going to relate to how he's teaching because he's a visual most people are visual learners. I believe that if you're putting a video up and the way your videos are engaging, I think that's going to connect with the student far more than just going online and going to a government data site and saying, well, this is what an electrician makes. This is a job, you know, seeing yeah. somebody actually do. It. And that's one of the big reasons why I love doing these day in the life interviews. I love doing the podcast uh, just because, first of all, I think our schools don't do a good job. That's why I feel like what you're doing is going to disrupt. Well, and that's another thing. It's a good thing that you mentioned that because what the schools try to do is they try to figure out a salary and a job and like aim kids towards certain like routes, basically. You never hear me on my videos talking about how much an electrician makes, how much salary, this and that, which you can get all this stuff. I talk about getting on a job site and loving what you're doing doing, and like the aesthetics of installing really nice light fixtures and doing all this wiring and learning a craft and learning a skill and getting to like work outdoors, not stuffed in a cubicle somewhere, how you never have to go through school. Well, some places maybe, but 
at least like you're learning, you're getting paid to learn and mess things up. You know, yeah. when you start talking about the why somebody should do something rather than, hey, you need to be of monetary value and a computer programmer can make $200,000. So I'm going to be that. It's like, no, no, no. We need to be looking at like people and what they want to do and what they're good at, what they enjoy, what they love and like curating that. And so a big thing that I want to get into in the future is like talking to the educational structure, the educational system and, and doing TED Talks or whatever we have to do. Um, to, like get in front of teachers and school boards and say like, look, we need construction at building, taking things apart. We need to like whatever skills that little children need to do to like be able to discover these things, even having Legos in classroom, like seriously, anything like that, where we talk about these amazing careers and jobs of people that are able to take things apart, fix things, put things back together. It's such a noble thing to know in your mind how to do those things. And sure, it looks dirty, right? Like every show you see has got some like, plumbers crack guy that's like yeah. whistle you know smoke they, they show really bad examples of what it means to be a tradesperson and i think if they just change that to being like there are certain minds out there that love fixing and finding problems and solving things just like a detective you know yeah. like we kind of glorify detectives in the same kind of way and i think that whole narrative just needs to change and the, the narrative of it being a man that does the job you know like my yeah. 96 percent male so out of a half a million people the majority of those that watch me are male and that's the problem because there's a lot of females coming into the space and there's just no, they're having to try to force and make a space for themselves and they're getting resistance a lot and it's it's kind of crappy. But like even things like in our electrical code, I was looking at this today because I'm making a video. Don't tell anybody I'm making this video. All right. <laughs> that's literally my next video. Are those, that's, that's too late now. The video. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It'll be next Wednesday. Right. Yes. But yeah, I'm making a video on what this whole uh, doing electrical work in a workmanlike manner is all about. And it's like, okay, well, what does even a workmanlike manner mean? What does it mean to be a workman? It's an ambiguous term. It's like some people like to do work fast and they don't care how it looks. It's still done right and it's yeah. still this is valid. But then I looked at the term workman and it says a man who does oh, work. Yeah. And I'm like, oh shit, uh, this is gonna be a tough one to start out with. <laughs> triggers on it already. And I'm not saying we need to go out and change every word that we ever use. You know, I'm just yeah. saying that there's even for women to like come across the message that, hey, if you like fixing stuff, taking stuff together and like building and working with your hands, like that narrative is just not said in our society and that needs to change. I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of women on Instagram. I've interviewed a few electricians, Shannon Tomosko. Yeah, and uh, those are the women who are, I believe, are trailblazing a path. And they're active on social media. And she gets, she's, I mean, she's, she's out there. And I mean, she's an apprentice. So she's not somebody who's been doing this for years. And but she will be soon and she keeps making content and she will yeah. continue to build and build and more people will follow. So Shannon, keep doing you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's cool. She was one of my early uh, guests, I believe, episode 20 something. And she was just cool. I, I enjoyed interviewing her. And I, I, she's always putting content on LinkedIn. But yeah, you're seeing some more women get on. And it, it's I think it's important to just showcase them. And what I what I noticed was after I started posting her content and sharing it and just kind of following her, I started seeing all these other women popping up to support her. So she is making an impact. She is definitely attracting women to the industry or she and definitely has a strong following. So, um, yeah. The other thing too, uh, you had Angel on, right? Angel. Yes, uh, yes, I did. I had Angel on. Yes. Yeah. She another, recommended you. <laughs> oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, just another great mind, a great like human. Her and I are good friends. She helps me with uh, some of the stuff that we're making right now. So like 
Um, I feel like people like her, the more that people are just out there talking about stuff and showing, wearing their tools and stuff, that's how this is going to change. So it's kind of a long game that we all have. Definitely. To play and you know something, one of the things I tell young people, because you, you talked about them focusing on just here's what it's like to do the job, enjoy it. You don't need a lot of money when you're just getting started. You know, if you're going into this profession as an apprentice out of high school, 18, 19, you're going to get paid more than what you'd make if you went and worked a retail job. So you're going to be okay. But more importantly, you're going to be doing something you enjoy. Yeah. When you're young, it shouldn't be a priority making the maximum amount of money. You should be focused on doing something that makes you happy. Because guess what? You're not going to do it for long if you don't enjoy it. You know, and that's kind of, that's just a fact. I, I guess as, old, you know, as guys who've been down that path, who are a little bit more experienced, we understand that value of doing what makes you happy. It's just not sustainable to do something that makes you miserable. It's not worth it. Right. But as a young person, like I'm dealing with this with my son right now, he's got a killer head on his shoulders and he's got so much potential to do and really anything he wants to do. But I do notice about him, there's certain characteristics and things that he enjoys and he doesn't enjoy. Some of the things that his mom and I want him to do are not things that he cares about at all. And so I recognize trying to really support the things that he does and the things that he doesn't. It's like, I'll still be present, but like, I'm not going to push this on you because obviously you don't want it. But kids don't have the perspective of being able to be 30, 40 years old and look back at their life and realize what they should have done. A lot of them is because of just the fast paced nature of how their reality comes at them. They, they're kind of in the here and now at all times without being out in the future and trying to think about building something. So a lot of them just don't understand that the right way to build an empire and get the Ferrari and get the Lambo and all that stuff that you want is to start doing a thing and become incredible at that thing over years, over time. Yes. You know, you're 18. By the time you do something and you're 24, you know so much about that thing. Yeah. At 24, you're still a baby. Like your brain's still not even fully cooked yet. So like yeah. you could do a different thing for four more years. You're still only 28. You're still in your 20s, you know? Yes. They just don't see the like the long term. I need to think that like find a thing I love. Who cares what my parents say? My friends I have to compete with what my brother's doing to impress everybody. What's my thing? What do I love? And then just do that for years and years and years and you'll get the Lambo. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. If you're the best at what you do and you love it, you're going to be rewarded. Opportunity is going to come your way. You've got, and the internet is a game changer. The internet is, I mean, there are people making a ton of money on stuff that were like hobbies and just things that no one would ever have believed that they could make money. And the thing about it is I can remember a time when the internet wasn't as big as it was. And so I know that there's a lot of people like us who came up before the internet and social media was big, really can appreciate it because yeah. we didn't have that. Right. You know, we saw it built and we saw the empires rise and fall from it. And we saw how it, it, it's such a crazy utility today that we use. And have you been following this whole meta thing with Facebook? I have been. I have been. Metaverse. So the entire internet's being rebuilt. Like the yeah. whole entire world is going to be doing a different internet and it's being built right now. I'm so excited to be a part yeah. of that thing. Yeah. And there's what people don't realize is there's opportunity in the change. Yeah. You just have to be able to. It's just I think you got to be curious. You've got to have some self-awareness. And just you've got to kind of, you know, you know why CEOs get paid big dollars? Because they understand the future. Gary V, one of the things that I noticed with him that's impressive is he, he'll play back videos of things that he predicted that were going to happen. Back when 2009, he goes, I was saying this is going to go do well. Instagram is a great buy. You know, I was saying it in 2008, 2009, whatever it was. And then he forwards it to Carter uh, and Day and he's saying, hey, look at what happened to Instagram. People, you know, Facebook bought it for X number of dollars. Everybody thought he was crazy, but 
that's the biggest thing is just understanding where we're going. And that's why one of the things I enjoy doing is I like watching people, like just what they do on social media, what they put a value on. And I just, I do that also because as I'm approaching people to be guests on my podcast or to build a partnership or relationship, it's just understanding what people put an importance on and value on. And I'm just, it blows my mind that you can get so much information on people just by watching their behavior. You know, like I said, we didn't have that before. So to me, it just, it's when you've done research on people and you know who they are and what they're about, it's such a, it's so much easier to connect with them. Yeah. And there's no, and, and the thing about it too is, is there's no agenda. It's just like, Hey, I love, I dig what you're doing. Can we talk about it? Can we have a conversation? You know, and there's no agenda. I'm not asking you for anything. I, I will say, Hey, with the podcast and the day in the life interviews, the purpose is we want to help these young people learn about your job. And I always ask, do you have a value in helping kids? It's a yes or a no, right? Like it's not something where people have to think of, well, do I really want to help this high school kid? Because I'm going to go show your video and your podcast. We don't run ads. We're not going to make any money. You're not going to get any money from kids. You can't monetize kids. We're doing it just to help them, right? We're doing it because, and so that to me is just, if I've observed people enough and seen that maybe they've volunteered somewhere, then it makes it easier for me to say, all right, this is a good match. And I found that to work really well because about 80% of the people I approach say yes to be guests on the podcast, but it's it's just understanding people's values and their currency. Yeah. I think a really good thing, uh, because as you get guests, you start to climb, right? Your guests, unless you hit a dead wall in, in like, you can't find anybody else in a certain space then you kind of have to go back down and figure out a different thing to go to a different space. But I was actually, after talking to you, I thought, I don't know if you do this already. It would be a really good idea to ask every single guest that you know for a recommendation for another person. You probably uh-huh. do that because you asked. I've done that before. Uh, yes. Yeah. But here's the thing. You asked Angel. Angel said me. You ask me. I have a big following. I might say Roger Wakefield. He's another tradesperson. In fact, if you haven't done oh, it. I do want to. I, he is somebody I want to approach. So I'm Roger, if you're watching this. <laughs> yeah, no, we're good friends. I can hook that. I don't know if you'll want to do it. I'm just saying. But sure. he's got a big following, too. And he might recommend. So now your podcast is being having bigger guests on it every time. And you might get somebody that's like, oh, yeah, I got Neil deGrasse Tyson's phone number and we're, we're good. And I can just, you know, I can make the intro. So I think just for you, that might be a good idea is just always ask for somebody that you think is a high value person that would be interested in doing the podcast. Justin, I agree 100%. Makes perfect sense. And sometimes I'll admit, sometimes I don't even think, I'll be honest, I don't always ask, you know, sometimes I do forget, but I have asked a few times and you're right, that does make sense. And I do think that as I've gotten more guests on, I had I had uh, Barbie the welder. And when I had her on, I started noticing that was probably around episode, uh, I want to say about 30. And I noticed when I started getting more higher profile influencers, that's when people started saying yes more. So you're, you're right about that. I did notice that. That does make Well, and it's not even like, I don't watch your podcast. I'm sorry. I just like, I don't watch anything. I don't watch TV. I don't watch anything. I just make yeah. stuff. But it's a good way for you to start getting high quality content. And that's the whole, the whole game is like Joe Rogan was just some guy at a certain point. I know I keep like bringing him up as like the podcaster to watch, but it's people watch him because they love the conversations and he gets these high profile people on. And that's what pulls masses over to listen to his stuff. And it kind of elevates his entire podcast. So I think you just provide value and you're constantly putting good things out. You're not asking for anything in exchange. You're not, you're kind of jab, jab, jabbing by me being on here for an hour. You're letting me have an audience and introducing anybody that could listen to me. So the least that I can do is definitely give you a recommendation to keep you going. I I think it's- I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I think it's something you should do. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Something I wanted to ask you is you're on multiple platforms. 
Um, do you have a preference? Because, you know, I've seen you on YouTube. I've seen you on LinkedIn. What's your preference? Because you have great presence on all the platforms. I'm curious what your preference is. And you have a podcast. Really, I don't have a preference. Um, there's content that I have to make native to each platform. And that's the hardest thing. Sure. Some things people only want to watch on TikTok. And so this is my screen. This is all I have to deal with. And it has to be vertical. Nobody wants to watch your shit, your, your, your stuff and like flip horizontal. They just don't want to do that. So yeah. figure that out. And I, so I have to go on to TikTok and make a TikTok thing and start watching TikTok to see what people are doing, seeing what a trend is and what kind of music, you know, I have to game the algorithm and by, by using it first for a little while and figuring it out and then realizing, okay, TikTok, people want five seconds, they want 10 seconds, they want 30 seconds of information, and they're moving on. They don't care about you. They're not there to watch your 60-minute interview. So it's just yes. not about that. It's finding out how you doing your thing can engage with your followers in a 10-second way that gives them mm -hmm. value before they swipe on your face. And then going over to Instagram, Instagram's more pictures and there's a feed, yes. you know, so it's like, how do I make my images much bigger? I do every, every one of my images. I don't do squares. I do rectangles because it takes up yeah. more of the field of vision. And so it stops them in their tracks, but I try to make things that are like questions. And so every post that I post is like, Hey, look at what I'm doing today. What would you do in this situation? I like that. Comments, I like that. <laughs> dude. So yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's just figuring that out. It's like I, the best thing I was ever told was by a rep from Facebook. I went up to Facebook headquarters and they sat down and they were right. like, this is how you make content for our platform. And it's based off of people's attention. People have three different levels of attention that they have and all of the apps cater to one or more of them. And YouTube's trying to cater to all of them. And so is Facebook. But there's the like somebody imagine somebody like leaned forward at a bus station, right? They're like ready to spring up and get on a bus. They got maybe five minutes of attention. So they're going to be fast flipping through stuff. So you need to get in front of them in a fast way. And then later on, when they're sitting there at their desk and maybe it's lunchtime and they've got 30 minutes to blow, they've got coffee in front of them. They're not going anywhere. They're going to look for some long form. They might get on TikTok and blow through TikTok for a half hour. They might go on YouTube and watch something for a while, but they got time. So you need to make that kind of content and put it in that kind of an environment for them. And then there's the long form, right? The, the three hour podcasts while you're watching, you're cooking dinner and you're, yep. you and your wife are like, oh, laughing at it. Or, you yep. know, you're, and you're in bed, like you got nothing but time. That's yep. the long form content. So you have to make those three kinds of content and you have to go literally everywhere your audience is and be every single place that they're at and just have stuff for them. No matter where they're at, they're going to see your face. That's the yeah, idea. I agree. I think TikTok is a little bit more of a challenge because I think being able to create brief, like less is more, I think it's challenging because you've got, like I said, if you're telling me 10, 15 seconds, you've got to have a powerful message. Well, you know? okay. so for you, I think I would need to understand your kind of business model and your goal. But if you want people to know who you are more, I think than you making videos where you're giving people really quick tips about things is one way or you could just take this clip of me talking and you could just make a TikTok like, hey, you guys stop scrolling right now. There's this really killer episode I just did with somebody. If you want to know yeah. about being an electrician, watch this. And then you give them like a, the best soundbite that we've talked about. I agree. Yeah. And that's all you do the next yeah. one. You'd be like, all right, so I had this other guest. Check this out. This is the best podcast you're going to watch. I like that. You know, yeah. But if it's more if you want to be like the kind of podcast guru or something and you just want to like teach people how to have their own podcast, then no, I think the latter, what you said, um, with, you know, doing a short clip of you talking or having a guest talking, because I do that sort of with an audiogram, but you're right. If I did a shorter video clip, I think that would be 
far more effective. Yeah. So the other thing to think about too, is that you want people follow, people don't follow unless they fall in love. So yes. people that, you know, fall in love with all the pretty girls roller skating on TikTok and they got millions, yeah. of followers, they fall in love. They literally fall in love. There's people that are on my YouTube channel that will follow me ride or die anywhere that I'm at. They have just, they're hooked and yes. there's not more. So to uh, cater to that whole thing, you have to give people way more than just the content that you've made it. So like mm-hmm. for me, every bit of my life, every opinion that I have, everything about my life, what I eat, what I wear, where I go, what I, my entire life is on the internet. And that is where people start to follow. So for you, if you were trying to build this whole thing, like having a TikTok that people can not just watch your show, but they can go watch you on TikTok. They can go to Instagram and see like, what else is this guy doing today? And what is he talking about? Who's he talking to? Walking up to strangers, asking their opinion about the trades and what they, you know, just like sound bits of you doing you throughout 4 a.m., going to the gym. doesn't matter. People just want to fall in love with you. So that's- I've noticed that. I'm glad you mentioned that because I started doing Instagram uh, clips of what I'm doing, like a day in the life of what I'm doing. Because- and I noticed that I got an uptick in attention where I was just doing like saying, hey, I'm, I'm doing a quick workout uh, at the gym. It wasn't anything creative. It's just like, hey, you know, here it is. Here's my here's my song that I play to get me going. I was showing myself yeah. running just for a couple. Of, and that got more, more, more attention than some of the stuff that I'm talking about in the skill trade. So I noticed when I started talking a little bit more about myself. And just having more of just the things that I do on a regular basis, I did see a little bit of a surge. And but it's just me being me. Yeah. And, and so while you're being you, like if you can think about you doing that at the gym or whatever, and you want people to have a high engagement, then you need to engage them in something. So you either need to ask instead of making a statement, you're gonna get five comments of people that are like doing the, you know, like the big thing, like the emojis or like whatever, they're going to engage because they're just like being like, ah, that's my boy. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to thumbs up. But if you want to really engage people, you need to ask them a question or Instagram. If you do a carousel where you're like one thing on one page where you start to begin a question, the next thing you ask the actual question, the next thing you're you're engaging. And so they're going to immediately put their opinions down. So that's the real engagement where you're pulling lots of people in. So you got to make it all. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Like, how do you, one of the things that I'm impressed with is how do you, because you're an electrician, how do you balance the actual work? Cause you still have, you're still doing work with all the social media and, and the sponsorships that you're working on. How do you make all of that work? I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go out with girls. I don't go out, you know, like I, I have never, and this is not to be braggadocious or anything. There's definitely flaw with this as well. Sure. I am the hardest working person I've ever met in my life. And I'm a tourist. I don't know if you believe in woo-woo stuff, but like I have that super like dug in, let's work, let's go, let's keep going. Let's not stop until you've attained that dream, that thing, you know? And so like, I'm always setting things out in front of myself, uh, myself as goals, even silly stuff. It's like, you know, I told myself once I was going to hit like a certain dollar amount on uh, all of my crypto investing speculating, let's be honest. But once I reach a certain point, I'm going to buy a motorcycle. And so it's like that. I give myself things out in front of myself. Nice. A way for me to make sure that I'm holding myself accountable. Otherwise I don't get the thing, but 
um, like more tactically, really, when I, I wake up working and I, uh, I go out in the field and I film while I'm on a job, as long as the customer's cool with it, most of them are because they know what I'm doing. And, um, you know, I'm having meetings, I'm talking to people while I'm working and I'm in the truck. I might be on like a Zoom call with like a bunch of people and I'm just going all day. I, I feel like I would be the perfect apprentice to work under Gary Vee because I feel like we have that same kind of just like stop talking about it, just be about it. You can talk about it after you've done it kind of thing. Have you ever met Gary Vee? No, I haven't. I was, I've honestly thought about like telling my whole team like, hey guys, I'm quitting and I'm going to write an email and I'm going to hope D-Rock will get it. And it just says, yeah. Gary, I'm going to give up my entire life. I'm moving out there. I will literally sleep outside of, uh, of your building and I will work for you all day, every day for free. I just want to know what's in there. Hey, let's let's start it. Hey folks, let's start a campaign to get Dustin hooked up with Gary V. Yeah. Gary, if you're listening, which I know you're probably not, or D-Rock or any of your, your people, you got to hook up with Dustin. All right. <laughs> do, you, do you realize how many people probably say that? Like, oh, yeah, a ton of people. Value and I'm doing this and I'm building that's like, I don't need Gary Vee. I think it would be a huge for a mentorship. It, it would change my life, you know, just oh, the yeah. knowledge that I would that I would gain. But I would work for him for free, bro. I would like. I'd oh, definitely. Say, yeah. I think it'd be a fun experience. I, I would want to meet Gary Vee just because I think it'd be I think he'd just be cool to talk to because I think he he shoots it straight. Uh, I think he'd have yeah. me rolling. You know, you got to have to. But he would only have you for 37 seconds until. You're right. You're right. And he'd be on his way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those seven seconds are going to be like the most dense seven seconds of information of your entire life that are going to change your life. I think people connect with Gary Vee if they do something that just piques his interest. I think you've got to do something that just, whoa, wait a minute. Let, let me, you know, let, let me stop. You know, I yeah. think that's the way people connect with him. I think everybody has the opportunity. It's just how interesting is their story? Yeah. Not even that. It's can you provide value? His whole thing is yes, about I agree. Value. Yeah. If you can't provide him with some kind of value, um, he's that's just true. not even interested. And like me, the, the crappy thing is I don't even have that big of a following. I mean, a half a million people across all my platforms is a lot of, that's a lot of people. That's a lot. That's good. I don't have the, um, I, I won't see 80% of what's written to me. And so that's the problem is like getting in front of somebody like Gary Vee. He's probably got tons of people that are just in taking the sheer volume of stuff. And that every once in a while might be like, hey, you should check this out. Because yeah. you can't, you just can't keep up with all of it. So like for, for Gary Vee, like I think you'd have to be kind of rather annoying and doing something so big and crazy and obnoxious to get in front of him. And it'd yeah. be of extreme value for him to believe in it enough to sit down. So yeah, no, I, don't I, know, I don't know that I'm there yet. I haven't given yeah. up on my stuff yet. There you go. There you got time. So let me ask you something. Um, how, you know, people see you on all these platforms and can you share how people can connect with you and reach you? You can try to DM me. <laughs> okay. Uh, so if you go to at Dustin.Stelzer on Instagram, I've actually started doing my own like personal brand sort of thing where it's like, again, following Gary V. When you get a message from at Gary V, you know, it is literally him talking to you. But when it's from team Gary V, you know that like they're trying to help you with your problem. He just, it's not him helping you. So I'm, I'm moving electrician you to actually be other people, other electricians that are answering and helping people find problems and solutions and stuff. But if you want to talk to me directly at Dustin.Stelzer on Instagram, you can try, you know, leaving comments uh, again, like probably 80% of my comments I don't even get to because there's just the sheer volume of them. But um, what I do notice is the same people getting a hold of me on several platforms. Sure. So sometimes I will, a lot of times, actually, I will 
see somebody's tag or their handle or something, and it's the same tag across every single thing, they'll follow me on Discord. They'll send me a message. They're not obnoxious, but they're like reaching out. They're commenting and stuff, and I see their name again. I'm on Twitter. They comment on Twitter. They're on TikTok. Like everywhere I look, I see their name. That's how you can find me. Okay. But, uh, there's there's people that have found my personal phone number, so I'm getting a new phone number. There's wow. a- <laughs> <laughs> well, back in the day when I was like starting my electrical company, I used my actual phone number, and then I started, okay. before I was doing the YouTube things. So, like people just, I've had the same phone for ten years, so there are people that literally just hit my phone. I don't even answer my phone anymore unless I know who it is. I understand. Yeah, it's like stalker weird, like yeah. weird people sometimes too. Yeah. I always tell people that, you know, when I get salespeople who contact me, especially through LinkedIn direct message, and they're like, hey, I want to learn about your company. I'm like, well, why don't you go to the website and the social media engage me there? You know, like you want to get on a call with me to sell me a product or service, yet you haven't been on my website or my social media. You're either not interested or you're lazy. You know, like you want me to regurgitate what you can read on my website, my social media. I said, show me that you're interested and then show me you can bring value, like be able to explain how you can help or provide provide service because I get a ton of people reaching out to me and then they, they ghost, they don't, they don't respond back. And to me, I just told you what you need to do. If you can't, now I'm seeing you can't listen. I just explained to you what you need to do. Yeah. You get two things to show me. I'm not interested in you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So folks, if you want to reach out to Dustin, reach out to him on multiple platforms. And I would also say, make sure you're following, subscribing and engaging him on those platforms. So he becomes familiar with, with you. And I think that, I mean, I think you can agree with me that increases your chances that he'll connect with you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get it down to the point where as few a places that you can actually get a hold of me personally, we're trying, we're just trying to move to that direction so that you know for sure it's me and there's no doubt about any of it. Oh, you no. still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're using a, a yeah, I'm using my, my camera. Uh, oh, isn't this so annoying? Which camera are you using? I'm using the Sony 7AC. Okay. It's overheating. Ah, man. I'm so sorry. It's the lights. Dustin, thank you for being a guest on the Skill Stadium podcast. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.